It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Human beings are habitual. When you're used to winning, I think winning comes a little easier. When you're not there yet, I think it's a little harder. And maybe you're waiting on it to happen instead of making it happen. And I do think that that little bit of extra confidence or just knowing it's going to happen rather than hoping could probably take us the next step. So we're trying to be as psychological with the guys as we can, but they believe how good a team they are. Uh, Now it's just a matter of making the play when it counts and when it matters the most. We can't afford to have any attention on anything else besides Purdue. We need this win, and ultimately, if we want to go to a bowl game, we need to beat Purdue. So, simple as that for us, all attention on Purdue. Yes, I'd love to go to a bowl game, but I mean, we can't go to a bowl game if we don't win three more games. So, it's just going to be one game at a time, really focus on the Purdue, and then Wisconsin next, and then we'll have that bye week as well. So, really just start putting a lot more energy that we all have over the season to win these games. And welcome here to this edition of the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, refreshed off the bye week, ready to go as Nebraska will take on Purdue Saturday. It is a 2.30 game on ESPN2 in Memorial Stadium. I still don't know the kickoff for Ohio State and Nebraska a week from now. Uh, we'll know that probably Saturday night. We know it won't be a night game, um, but it will be an 11 a.m., a 2.30 or a 3. And a lot of it just depends on the networks and where they want to go with their picks that week. I mean, sometimes 11 a.m. is the higher pick that week. So um, it's hard to say uh, what the networks will do. But Nebraska-Purdue, as you heard, it's a must-win for Nebraska to go to a bowl game now. The Huskers have to win three out of their four games. They've never done that, uh, Robin Washett, under Scott Frost in the Big Ten. And Nebraska's only beaten Wisconsin one time in the history of the Big Ten. They haven't beaten Iowa since Bo Pelini's final year. And they've only beaten Ohio State one time, so I mean, it's. So you're saying the DAC is stacked against them I mean, here? It's safe to say there's a lot stacked against them. If they want to get to a bowl, there's going to be a lot of first sense win if Nebraska beats some of these teams to get to six wins. Yeah, and then you just kind of pair it with how many opportunities they've squandered already this season. Um, you know, starting with the very first game against Illinois, obviously last time out against Minnesota. Games that they should have won, they were the better team, and they didn't get the job done. And now they're in this situation where it's literally a Hail Mary at this point to save whatever hope there is still to go to a bowl game. And right now it's just hard to have a lot of faith, I mean, that, that they're going to get close to, to doing it. And you're probably looking at the reality of a fourth straight uh, losing season under Scott Frost, fifth straight for the program, and uh, you know another fifth straight year with staying home for the holidays and no bowl game. And there's always obviously a chance of going as a five-win team, but I mean you really don't know that until the final week of the year. I mean it's you know, and, and what's unfortunate, Robin, is Nebraska could have went to a bowl last year. The players voted not to go to a bowl. That's true. And so it's hard to feel like overly sorry for, you know, these like seniors and six-year seniors that never went to a bowl. It's like, well, technically you guys voted not to. Yeah, they went three and five, which, um, you know, there was no win requirement. Um, but three and five 
in an eight-game year, when you factor in, I mean, non-conference that wasn't played, I mean, Nebraska might have gotten a six-wins line. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Uh, but they didn't. They said not to. And that's why this game all of a sudden is big because, you know, next weekend after that, Ohio State, who is playing better yeah. than they're anybody pl- They're in playing the like Ohio State I mean, again. They're winning games like 60-something to, you know, What they did to 10. Indiana was unbelievable. I mean, Indiana was supposed to be at least somewhat good, and they looked <laughs> – like a JV squad. There was a indie. I guess I saw a tweet. There was an Indiana player in the hallway, like after the game was over, and he was just screaming and yelling, just like how bad they played. I mean, wow. it just got talk about a team that's fallen off. Indiana, absolutely. They were the uh, darlings all off season. Michael Penix. I mean, they were the pandemic season darlings, and they, they played well in Lincoln. They went eight and four uh, in 2019 when Noah Vedral started, um, and that kind of really got them going. And that turned Nebraska's year in 2019, but. This game with Purdue has a lot on the line, and it's Purdue's first trip to Lincoln since 2018 because of Scott Frost. That was Scott Frost's first year, but Huskers have played in West Lafayette the last two years in a row. Um, so we'll get Jeff Brom here, um, and you know they're an up and down team. They mm-hmm. handled Iowa. I mean, they handled an Iowa City, and it's kind of one of those things, Robin. Timing is everything, especially in the Big Ten. And they got Iowa after a bye. They beat Iowa. Iowa had just played a physical game against Penn State the week before. Well, then you fast forward to this week. They had to play Wisconsin, and Wisconsin really handled them um, and had a great game plan for David Bell. Now Nebraska's the team coming off of their bye, and you hope that means something. Well, I mean, you pair all the comments with you know Scott Frost, even Matt Lubick today, saying that you know they're as healthy as they've been all season. You know, when you factor in the guys that were ruled out for the the start of the year, now they're all back. So you know that they, they do have two weeks of rest. Um, you know, after kind of a grind of an eight game stretch, so they're as fresh as they've been. Whereas Purdue, they're being they're banged up big time. Uh, they're potentially going to be out two starting offensive linemen, potentially two defensive ends. Uh, their number one running back, Sander Horvath, is still probably going to be out. So uh, they've got a lot of uh, personnel issues in their own right. Uh, from a team like you said has that has been as hot and cold as maybe any team in this league so I think Nebraska as far as the the timing of it got about as good of a draw as they possibly could get Um, but again it's it's another one of those golden opportunities will they actually be able to capitalize this time around and I like this game for the defense I mean Purdue is second to last in the country in rushing yards per game Um, they're dead last in the Big Ten in that category so you pretty much know what they're going to do they'll run it a little bit just because they have to, uh, but they can't run. Mm-hmm. And Ever since Horvath went out, he was that one like physical back. He's an NFL that, dude. I mean, he could get you three to four yards, something like that. He's not a game changer, but he could keep them balanced and on schedule. In our league, a three-yard run's a good run. <laughs> That's right. He says that all the time. But, um, yeah, they'll play three quarterbacks, which will be interesting. Um, but Aiden O'Connell is the starter. Know, is the starter. Then Jack Plummer will come in, and they've got a Wildcat guy. New defensive coordinator. We only we, we don't get Bob Diaco this year, Robin, on a homecoming as he only lasted one year in West Lafayette. Yeah, weird. <laughs> Bob Diaco doesn't last very many places very long. Yeah, who would have thought that would not end well? But, you know, both these t- programs, <clears throat> Purdue and Nebraska, are, are very similar in the sense you've got former quarterbacks as head coaches. Both got really big contracts. Both had high expectations at one point or another. And both are kind of in the same spot. They just can't take that next step. For Purdue, it was after they had beaten Ohio State, everyone like, wow, Jeff mm-hmm. Brom's got this thing rolling, and they just have never capitalized on that. And for Nebraska, 
everybody's assumed it would happen with Scott Frost leaving Central Florida after being undefeated, and obviously it's not happened here yet. So, you know, this game has a lot of meaning, I think, for both sides, as if Purdue wants to go to a bowl, this is one they have to have. Well, I remember talking with Tom Deanhardt, who is going to be on the show this week uh, with uh, Golden Black, uh, com. So he uh, had mentioned during our, our spring review how Purdue and Nebraska were in such similar situations, like you mentioned, uh, you know, with the similarities uh, with their coaches, but also just kind of the state of their their current programs, where this was a an important year for people to get people to buy back in to Jeff Brom. I mean, I think that the shine uh, following that Ohio State game had had definitely worn off a little bit. And then you know, you just look at this season where you know they they have that you know stunning win over Iowa where they vault into the top 25 and then get completely dominated the next time out. That's kind of been uh, symbolic of, you know, their, their tenure. It's the same with Nebraska. And too. Exactly. So, I mean, uh, there, there's a lot of uh, parallels here between these two programs. And um, you know, I remember Tom said, you know, I asked him to look all the way ahead to, you know, the end of October uh, to, to give his prediction on, on how this game might shake out. And he said that that very well could be a defining game for both teams in terms of, taking that next step towards getting to the postseason. And guess what? <laughs> he was right looking into that crystal ball. If there's one thing I'm certain, this game is going to be a one-possession game one way or the other, and we know how those go. I mean, Nebraska yeah. has not been very good in those games, but um, the bottom, Scott Frost, is his teams have been front-running teams. When they start well and control things, they do really well. Mm-hmm. But when they're required to kind of go round for round with you, that's when typically Nebraska has faltered. So, can Nebraska hang in a 12-round game? Or, I mean, they, they tend to do really well, as we know, on the early-round knockouts. But when you ask them to go the distance, that's when the Daniel Cherney punt happens, the Adrian Martinez fumble happens, just the little things that have continued to put us in this place where Nebraska football's at. Yeah, they need to have a, a, some wiggle room and a safety net there because if they're going to sit there and live and die by every possession – they're just not a disciplined enough team right now to be able to win those types of games because inevitably they're going to have a big mistake. And there's situations where they have a comfortable enough lead to where those mistakes don't matter. Uh, and there's other ones where they completely change the course of the game. So that's that's going to be critical in a game like this that I agree is going to come down to probably the very final minutes. All right, when we come back, uh, we've got a full breakdown here as we get you ready for Nebraska and Purdue. We're going to talk offense, defense. We'll take some questions with Abby Barmore in the mailbag. And as you heard Robin say, Tom Deanhart from Golden Black, formerly of the Sporting News and the Big Ten Network.com as well, will join us as well, uh, giving us some insight on Purdue. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. Hi, it's Sean Callahan with Husker Online. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones and see what we find. Learn more at uscellular.com slash built for us. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. He's good. He's going to be 100%. He, he's been dealing with quite a bit of stuff and fighting through stuff, and he's a warrior for doing it. Um, he'll be a full go. I definitely wasn't 100%, but you rarely are in football, right? So there's no excuse to not 
play at the level that I'm accustomed to playing and want to play at. I did feel like I, I wasn't as dynamic as a runner going into that game, but still was able to do the things I wanted to do. If I felt like I couldn't, I wouldn't have played. Um, there's no excuse there. And additionally, the bye week was very helpful, I think, for everyone not only physically, but mentally, um, maybe take a little bit of a break and get ready for this last four weeks. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, as you heard, that was Scott Frost and Adrian Martinez, both talking about the health of Martinez. Is um, We know he was limited at Minnesota, wasn't able to run. They still used him as a decoy in the option game. Then Ramir Johnson got hurt, and the whole running game fell off the, the wagon at that point. So, We'll see where it's at this week. That's going to be a big story. But before we get to that, this segment of the Husker Online Show brought to you by Tanner's Sports Bar and Grill, 30th and Yankee Hill here in Lincoln. I was in Robin at Tanner's on Sunday and ran into our good friend Matt Abdamase. He is a regular there watching the Giants game uh, on Sunday. Finally got a win. And he was in a good mood, I'm sure. I was watching the Chiefs game. And, you know, they, that was not a good game for the Chiefs. They, they were getting blown out in Tennessee. And, and I go, oh, he comes and said hi. And I, I go, what's the score of the Giants game? He goes, five to three. <laughs> and I, I go, are you watching the baseball or the football game? It was like halftime or third quarter. Brutal. Yes, it was It was three to two and then five to three for the <laughs> longest the time. The ultimate troll Robin Washington score. But yes. get into Tanner Sports Bar and Grill. Uh, they'll have all the action Thursday night football, Friday night college football. Anytime Husker Volleyball is on BTN Plus or regular BTN, they the bar t- turns into a Husker Volleyball bar. There's probably not a better place to watch Nebraska volleyball than Tanner's. Talking to Cassie last week, they had over 30 calls asking if they're going to show the game on BTN Plus, mm. and they always have the games on. So um, you want to get in there and watch Nebraska football, NFL football on Sunday, Monday. Tanner's on 30th and Yankee Hill Road. But, Robin, let's talk offensive storylines. Adrian Martinez, and I said this on Channel 7 this week, we will know right away if Adrian Martinez is healthy, mainly by the first type of run option plays they do. Because I would, if I'm, if I'm Purdue, I am going at the pitch man every time and making Martinez run it to see if he will run it. Mm-hmm. Test him. Yeah, and, you know, well, like you said, uh, how healthy he is will be known very early. And I guess the good news is that all reports are he's he's as healthy as could be. 100% says Scott Frost. And Adrian said that bye week, you know, like we heard in the open, uh, really did him a lot of good just to kind of uh, heal up whatever lingering issues he was dealing with. And that's a... Such a huge, it cannot be overstated how big of a deal that is to have Adrian as close to 100% as possible. Obviously, we saw how much that would limit Nebraska's offense and their ability to to call different things when he's not the typical runner that he normally is. And it's not just his, you know, ball carrying and, you know, being a, a, a ball carrier. It's the ability to extend plays in the pocket and evade sacks and pressure and being able to, to scramble, uh, you know, th- those big scramble plays, how many times have those changed the course of a game? Uh, and that element was just not there against Minnesota. So there's a lot of reasons why a healthy Adrian Martinez is a major deal for Nebraska. And from at least the sounds of things over the last week or so, um, things look to be in a good spot there. But like you said, we'll, we'll find out very early how true that is. Well, my other question, Robin, is running back. Uh, we expect Ramir Johnson back off concussion protocol. That's not going to be a problem, but you got to have two. Is, is it Jacquez Yan again? We've seen him make 
two pretty critical mistakes, the running the wrong way against Michigan, which ended up you know forcing a punt after an eight-yard gain on first down, and then tripping on fourth and goal, which could have cost Nebraska the game. I mean, that, that touchdown would have given them the lead and put all the pressure on Minnesota. Instead, it flipped the momentum back to the Gophers, and Nebraska ended up losing in, in Minneapolis. Will they go back to Jacques Giant, or is the soup menu going to change this week at running back? Yeah, I just don't know kind of what their other option is outside of Sevion Morrison. And it's not like Morrison has, you know, lit the the world on fire either. And, you know, he's he's supposed to be their kind of dynamic speed guy, but, you know, he can't catch the ball. And that was one of the things Ryan Held said today was that they've really tried to work on his just pass catching ability, especially on the run, so they can utilize that more. But, you know, if you can't get your playmaker the ball in space, you're kind of limited with what you can do with them. And, um, you know, uh, <laughs> Held was kind of hard on Yant. Uh, I mean, at least real about his evaluation of, of where he was he said you know he was great when you know he beat up on bad teams you know he looked really good against Northwestern but he got quote brought back down to earth against Minnesota and kind of realized what what a Big Ten defense was all about and so how he responds from that I think will go a long way but they have faith in him you know Held said I have the utmost faith in him and would put him in that situation again talking about the fourth and goal where he tripped so I mean I think that they still have plans for Yant and I would imagine he'll still be the number two but clearly getting Ramir Johnson back is a big deal Uh, he did clear concussion protocol he is expected to be back he practiced Tuesday so uh, I think all is clear on that but I think Yant is still going to be the next guy but he's got to prove it against a better defense well if you take away the Adrian Martinez 50 to 80 yards that he gets they got to find that somewhere else and you know Ramir Johnson's gonna have to increase his carries by probably five to seven and then that number two piece. So there's a lot of intrigue there um, at the running back. And then, you know, lastly, I want to hit on the offensive line this week, the matchup that they have, uh, George Karlaftis, the defensive end for Purdue, an All-American, a first-round draft pick, um, right up there with Aiden Hutchinson as arguably one of the best pro prospects in the league. Um, you know, I, I thought Wisconsin basically took him out of the game because they only had to throw the ball eight times last week, I think. And, then, you know, the, the running backs for Wisconsin rushed for nearly 300 against the Boilermaker defense. So, I mean, that's how you take Carl Loftus out of the game. You run the ball. Well, and his numbers, I mean, they're good. They wouldn't suggest like he's this dominant All-American. But what, what he brings to the table is you have to make sure that he's accounted for and you have to devote so much attention to him. Reminds me of like an Adam character. Right. And so, you know, he might not, I think he has three sacks on the year. Just a huge like body. Five tackles for loss. But that's because he's being doubled and triple teamed on every single play. And it's no coincidence that there are other defensive ends. They've kind of been in and out with, with various injuries. They're having productive seasons. And so guys are benefiting from all the attention being paid to George Karloftis because he requires that much attention. Uh, Matt Lubick said uh, this week that he thought that Karloftis was every bit as good as Aiden Hutchinson. And Aiden Hutchinson's regarded as a potential top 10 pick in the draft this year. All right, when we come back, we're going to talk defensive storylines to watch. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. 
it was a good opportunity just to, um, you know, un unplug, recharge. Everybody's a little beat up and uh, just get everyone back, all the, the energy and, and everything back underneath you. Um, I think it was uh, good for a lot of guys. Uh, I feel great. Uh, I know we had two kind of intermediate practices last week to kind of keep our blood going. So we just weren't stiff coming back, no fatigue. Uh, my body feels great. We've got a lot of schoolwork done too, so I can catch up on that and really focus on the last four games that we have of the season. I feel, I feel like everyone came out with a better energy today. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan and Robin Washett. As you heard, Nebraska's defensive players talking about uh, the bye week and just coming off of the bye and where they're at. This segment of the show is brought to you by the 2022 Lingus College Football Classic on August 27, 2022 in Aviva Stadium in Dublin, Ireland. Nebraska will take on Northwestern. Now is the time, Robin, that you want to start booking these trips. We are so excited to go out there next year for this game. You want to visit Huskers, the number two Ireland. Huskers to Ireland and you can start getting your packages lined up. This is why you want to do it. You want to get locked in to all the key experiences and tour groups and all the things that are being offered as uh, they have the inside track working with Tourism Ireland. Um, you can get tee times lined up on the golf courses. All the things that are going to make this trip a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. That's Huskers2Ireland.com. And to start booking your travel for flights, go on to airlingus.com and and start looking at some of those travel options to fly into Dublin for that game in 2022. But Robin, let's talk defensive storylines for Nebraska going in this game and you know Purdue, you look at them, they are one of the worst rushing teams in the country, the worst in the in the conference. A lot of it is because Andrew Horvath is out. There was some thought he might return this week. For Nebraska, it's good he won't be back. This yeah, week. yeah. I mean, because he makes such a big difference because he was the only guy in that backfield. He can get him to second and six. Right. That that gave him any semblance of, of physicality. And and since he's been down, and I think his injury happened in week two, so they've had to go a long time without having that element. They've they've tried some different things. I think that big that's a big reason why their quarterback situation is what it is. They needed that wildcat element to just give them some sort of life on the ground and, and clearly it's not doing a whole lot. So um, their offense, I mean, was already pretty limited, but he at least gave them that change up where um, as opposed to just being the drop back, throw it, you know, 40, 50 times a game, uh, they had somebody that could be that, that hammer running back. And, and since he's been gone, they've you know sorely missed that. You're listening here to the Husker online show and Robin, and you look at Purdue, it's really all about David Bell and they're in the wide receiver. He's a first team all league guy. I mean, you talk about this, conference there's some really good receivers in there Alave, garrett wilson um you know you've got the guy altman bell at minnesota mm -hmm. but david bell has to be right up there with wilson Alave is probably the best receiver uh dotson at penn state's in this conversation too but you know there's not very many better than david bell right and that's uh, when you say you're one of the best in the big 10 that says a lot you're usually an all-american there's first round draft picks in there so yeah, I think that he's certainly in that conversation. He showed exactly why with what he did against Iowa. I mean, that's an Iowa secondary that's regarded as one of the best in all of college football. I mean, they have two potential All-Americans in their own right uh, in that secondary, and he torched them. And a lot of that was because of the way Iowa uh, kind of defended them. You know, you're talking to Miles Farmer this week, and he noted that studying the game fields of, of Iowa and Wisconsin, Iowa just kind of dropped back and played soft and wanted to keep – 
Bell in front of them and take away that deep ball. Well, what did he do? He just kind of stopped short, uh, made a whole bunch of catches, and was able to break tackles and, and still get those explosive plays. Conversely, Wisconsin had a totally different approach where they were physical with him, jamming him at the line, beating him up, knocking him around, and they limited him to what, like what six catches for like 30 yards? Nothing, yeah. Something I mean, like and so, a lot of it came late when it didn't matter. Exactly. So, I mean, clearly there that's a proven approach, but that's, that's a challenge. I mean, he's an elite-level player as far as getting off press coverage, and so those corners need to be able to bring it and be able to not only just be physical but – keep him in front and make sure that he doesn't get by you and have one of those deep shots on you. What's interesting going in this game is if I would have told you three or four years ago that the defenses would be the dominating units in this game and not the offenses yeah, with no Jeff Brom and Scott for us. I mean, the big, the big 10, I think just does this to you. I mean, you can have offensive ideas and hopes and thoughts, but this league humbles a lot of offensive coaches unless you have Ohio state's talent. Yeah, absolutely. And so, uh, you know, I guess it's a sign of the times, really, where uh, the defenses in this leagues have, have really caught up, or caught back up with the offense. Nine overtime game. Think about that. Yeah. I mean, well, for one, the new overtime rule, we can have a whole conversation about that. How can you not, though, just run a play to get two two or three yards? Well, especially when you're Illinois and you run for almost 300 yards leading up to that point, and then all of a sudden you decide to throw it every down. You know, it's interesting, though. We talk about Nebraska's red zone issues. It just shows you how difficult it is to score down there in a game like that where you know, one think, for 18. Right. You think it's it's easy. But, you know, the, when you're operating in that short of space, it's you, you got to execute at an extremely high level. And obviously, Nebraska struggled to do that. When you watch it on Sundays all the time, Robin, I mean, when it's fourth and goal from the one, a lot of teams yeah, they throw just because you have more options. I mean, you especially if they, you have a running quarterback. I mean, that that gives you that element and they can execute. Right. I mean that's the difference. I mean the pros don't they don't run the wrong direction. They get open, they catch the ball, and the quarterback gets it to them. Big difference when you watch the pros and, and how they do it. But when they try to run in the pros, they get stopped. Yeah, and it's tough. And so, uh, you know, I, I think that when you look at this this particular matchup, I mean, obviously Purdue is going to still try to run the ball, but for Nebraska's defense, it starts and stops with shutting down the pass and you know David Bell is going to command a lot of attention but they do have other weapons out there and you know they're going to throw the ball a lot and they're going to give a lot of different looks with those you know two or th even three quarterbacks looks that they're going to have so this is going to be one of those things where Nebraska needs to be dialed in defensively especially in the back end of the secondary without one of their best leaders in Deontay Williams Aiden O'Connell and Jack Plummer feels like they've been there forever I know I feel like that's been a quarterback battle for like six years <laughs> but they'll uh, they'll go with O'Connell who turned it over a ton yes. last week and I think without Deontay Williams that's a blow there because he he was kind of the turnover forcing guy in the back end mm -hmm. and that's where you'd have a chance but I think Nebraska will be ready Jojo has told me defensively that for them, this is always one of the easier, not easier, but better games to prepare for because you they know what Purdue's going to do. I don't think Purdue tries to change it up a ton on you week over week. Yeah, and you know they don't do all the window dressing that some of these other teams do. They kind of just line up and and run what they run. But you know, again, they they've got playmakers, and I'm really intrigued. We talk so much about David Bell, but Cam Taylor Britt is playing the best football of this season to make some money Saturday for Absolutely. him. Absolutely. So you want to talk about scouts watching this matchup? Cam Taylor versus uh, Taylor Britt versus David Bell is going to be a marquee matchup. And I hope that they let Cam Taylor follow him. They'd be smart. 
especially, I mean, with, you know, some of the, the weaknesses they have, you know, with, with a, just an inexperienced Miles Farmer and, uh, you know, Quentin Newsom being a first-year starter, I think they would be wise to put their best player against Purdue's Like a box at one. Absolutely. All right, when we come back, we're going to talk, um, take some questions in the mailbag. Abby Barmore will join us as we'll get you ready more here for this Nebraska-Purdue game Saturday at 2.30. You're listening here to the Husker Line Show. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. The response was awesome. I was just talking to Barrett Root about this morning, and uh, he's stuck mostly local during recruiting, but the response they got from coaches and administrators and students, I think people are enjoying watching this team. I think they're proud of this team. we got to get it over the hump, but I was really encouraged to hear the, the response and reaction that coaches said they got on the road and really tough recruiting without being able to go out and evaluate and go out and, and get in front of coaches and, and get into high school. So uh, we needed this, and it's a good first step. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Abby Barmore. As you heard, head coach Scott Frost talking about getting on the road and He's looked at me t- twice now on this, Robin. Um, <laughs> He's as stunned by that stat. And he goes, anyway. "How many days again, Sean?" And I'm like, "620." Um, I, w- I was curious myself, so you know, I had to pull up, you know, those little date counter apps. Oh yeah. Because I mean, especially when you get older, it's harder to like count back days and months. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, let's figure out exactly how many days, and give or take 620 days was the last time Nebraska was on the road. And I remember we saw Nebraska on the road during our in-state tour. We were going out in January and. We were in Omaha and Council Bluffs for Fedoni and Jevin Jackson and Sean Woods. That was the last time they were out on the road. And that, that just seems like, like ages ago. Um, but they got back out on the road, and that was good to see. But let's get in the mailbag, Abby. What do you have? How beneficial will it be for Nebraska to have a bye week before these two games against Purdue and Ohio State to rest up? I mean, I think there's always – benefits to that i mean nebraska football honestly hasn't had a lot of bye weeks they they technically didn't have one last year because they prepared as if they were going to play wisconsin and then the game got canceled and that was almost kind of a buzzkill to be honest i mean you know having a bye on halloween weekend um you know when when you know you were expecting to play it just it, it really really stunk um for for nebraska and then in 2019 they did have one in 2018 they didn't have one so it's kind of unfamiliar territory, but you would like to think, Robin, that this is going to help mentally reset this team. Yeah, I mean, the physical aspects are obvious. I mean, just being able to take some days off, heal up some injuries. Um, you know, here at Adrian Martinez is back to 100%, all that stuff. So, you know, I think that they're they're got a chance to get healthy, but I think just the mental recharge. I mean, you even saw it in Scott Frost when, you know, his, his Monday press conference, he was like chipper, <laughs> in a good mood where... Rested. Going in that Minnesota game, you could tell that he just was kind of getting... It was wearing on him a little bit. So I think everybody is kind of taking that opportunity to just kind of unplug and recharge and to get back to work here with a, with a strong week practice. Do you think that the Minnesota game would have gone differently if there was a bye week before that game? Oh, I don't know. I mean, I'm not going to make any excuses. Nebraska came out and played poor. Um, you know, they, they did play three straight night games. Then they had to go play an 11 a.m. 
and there is a, I mean, you almost like lose a day when you kind of break down what time you get done playing at night versus what time you get up in the morning to play an 11 o'clock game. There is almost a lost day in there, especially when you travel, but that's no excuse. The way Nebraska came out in the first half, that, that's just, you're not going to beat anybody doing that. Yeah. And especially uh, against a team like Minnesota that is always so well prepared for what Nebraska does on both ends or both sides of the ball. So, uh, yeah. I mean, a week off, it doesn't matter. If you show up sleepwalking like that, you're not going to beat, you know, Ford, let well, alone Minnesota. And love or hate PJ Fleck, his team plays well. They're three and one, and they actually control their own destiny right now. I mean, everyone acted like Nebraska lost to like Fordham against Minnesota, but yeah. Minnesota. It's probably going to be eight and four, nine and three um, when it's all said. I mean, they've got a chance in almost every game on their schedule. They do have an. They could win every game. They could go three and two, four and one. I mean, they, it will be interesting to see how they finish. Yeah, I think a lot of that has. I think it's more of a reflection of how bad the Big Ten West is right now. The fact that there's no clear dominant team. I mean, obviously Iowa's still up there, but uh, and are they really dominant? Yeah, exactly. If what Purdue just did to them. All right, Abby, what do you got next? Deontay Williams went down against Minnesota, and Frost said that he's going to miss some time. How big of a drop-off do you think there will be from Williams to Miles Farmer at that safety position? There's a drop-off. Um, Deontay Williams is one of the five fastest guys on the team. You can see him break on balls. His pick against Michigan, his pick against Minnesota, he he makes plays on the ball. And Miles Farmer is a good player, but, I mean, Deontay Williams is a 24-year-old man that's a father. I mean, he's he's, he's almost like a – guy that should be on an NFL practice squad right now that's still playing college football. Yeah, so, I mean, un- undoubtedly, just from an experience standpoint, there's a notable drop-off. But I will say, Miles Farmer got called upon last year, got the start against Northwestern, had two picks. So, I mean, he's got playmaking ability in his own right. Uh, talent is not an issue with him. It's just a matter of getting reps. And uh, over the last few years, he's been playing quite a bit. Do you think that Thomas Fildoni will play against Purdue? And if so, at what capacity? Um, No. I don't think so. I mean, Scott Frost kind of tipped his hand that he's still a little rusty. There's still some rust to knock off. Just like the the Brant Banks question. I mean, somebody in the media asked, like, having Brant Banks back. And, I mean, I'm sorry. I kind of chuckle because it's like, do you really expect Scott Frost to be like, we're going to plug Brant Banks right? I mean, come on. Like, he, he could play if somebody gets hurt, but Brant Banks is not going to. He's a depth guy. He's a depth like somebody has, like he was going to be a part of the game this week at, or against Purdue. I'm like, yeah, I don't know if that's going to happen. Yeah, and with Fedoni, they just want to be so careful with him because I mean, his long term future is so still so bright, and they they want to make sure he's absolutely ready physically and mentally to play when they finally do let him make his debut. Robin, basketball starts this week with exhibition games. What are you expecting out of the team this year? Well, this year, uh, I mean, obviously expectations are high, uh, as high as they've been in a long time. Um, They need to show tangible signs of improvement in the win-loss column. And so uh, above 500 is probably the bare minimum, and pushing for an NCAA tournament berth is definitely in the cards. But as far as this week, you know, Wednesday, um, you know, they're with the the Peru State game. That's just kind of about figuring themselves out. They're going to try and experiment with a lot of different lineups, and that game just kind of is what it is. But the Colorado game on Sunday, that's a much bigger deal. Colorado's a top 35 team in the country. You know, they're coming off an NCAA tournament season. So Nebraska is going to get a great litmus test of where they stack up against one of the better programs in the country. And there's going to be a lot to take away from that. They're going to be playing as if it's a real game. And so you want to look about how to evaluate this team going into the actual games. 
that exhibition is going to be a very good start. Hey, Robin, what's the mask mandate for the teams? Are, are, is it local determined, or is there a league deal where you have to wear them on the benches and things? I think it's a Big Ten deal because they have to wear them. Because volleyball, Abby, do they wear them at all the matches too? Yeah, they wear them on the bench. Yeah. Loosely. Kind that, of, that, I mean. That's how basketball is going to be. It's funny. They're around each other literally like 23 mm-hmm. hours a day. <laughs> but they can sit by each other on the bench. I mean, yeah. I mean, of all the silliness of COVID, like having the spread out benches, like in the NBA, in the bubble, like they have yes. people spread out on the benches. Yeah, but when you're on the court actually guarding each other inches away, <laughs> it doesn't matter. I don't like, know. Whatever. Right. We got time for a couple more. Okay, out of Nebraska's last three games, Ohio State, Wisconsin, Iowa, which one is most winnable? Wisconsin. I'll say Wisconsin, but Iowa is not far behind. I mean, I think Iowa is going to be interesting to watch. People know Iowa. They don't do anything unique. I mean, they, they are who they are, and they get breaks, and they take advantage of them. Well, my thing is Nebraska gives a lot of breaks, and so that's a bad combination for me. I do think Nebraska – I mean, they always match up well with Iowa. I mean, they've played them close almost every Shenander, year. Uh, Shenander played there. He knows the system. Yeah, so, I mean, that's not a insurmountable task, but I think Wisconsin's as down as they've been probably since Nebraska's joined the league. And so if there was, ever was an opportunity for them to get him, I know it's in Madison, but I just think with Wisconsin's issues on offense right now, if, if Nebraska plays to their potential, and we say that every week, but that I think is the most winnable of those three. Ohio State, a distant third. All right, Abby, what do you have in the final question? Big if, if Nebraska makes a bowl game and you guys could pick where, which bowl would you pick? Well, I think the realistic, because the Big Ten – we'll get like three or four teams in the new year six. So everybody will slot up like three or four spots. So if Nebraska, if they got to the six wins, if. they would slide themselves up to a bowl. They probably shouldn't be in. Like they could get to Tampa. Um, they could get to Las Vegas all because of the other teams in the league. They're going to garner the new year six spots. Um, so I think that would be, you know, and they would be an attractive, if Nebraska won three out of four, they would, be an attractive team for bowl games. Now, my dream bowl trip that I've never got to make, Robin, I'd love to go cover an Orange Bowl in Miami for a mm-hmm. week. Um, just so much history with Nebraska and that bowl game. It was before my time, obviously. And, you know, just I was actually at um, the Marlins Park, and that's the site of the old Orange Bowl. And they had a shrine set up to remember the old Orange Bowl stadium there. And, uh, now they play it, obviously, in Fort Lauderdale where the Dolphins play or wherever that – I don't know if it's called Fort Lauderdale where it's at, but um, that would be a game for me. I, I'd love to be in Miami to cover a bowl trip for a week. Yeah, so realistic bowls. Uh, I mean, obviously, if there was any chance they could get to the Vegas Bowl. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's be, over. That would be that'd be a dream. But uh, you know, the a sneaky one, the guaranteed rate bowl, would be against a Big 12 in opponent. Phoenix. So you'd get a, a, an interesting matchup in Phoenix at Chase Field. Uh, it'd be all Nebraska. I fans. wouldn't mind going to Phoenix in late December. That wouldn't be too bad. Uh, dream Bowl, yeah. I mean, Orange Bowl has to be up there. Uh, Sugar Bowl? Well, no, Big Ten can't go to the Sugar Rose Bowl. Rose Bowl would be pretty sweet. Uh, Rose Bowl, yeah. I mean, you can't you can't yeah. top the Rose Bowl. Yeah, so I, I would probably say, yeah, if I'm not going Orange Bowl, I'll go Rose Bowl. We joked that we would go to El Paso and make a fun trip out Ooh, of it. yeah. <laughs> In our young, just wild days. A little, little our, Tijuana action? No, Juarez. War, Juarez. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, so when Alex Henry made that kick, 
in 08, it took Nebraska from going to war, uh, not Juarez, but El Paso. <laughs> no, going to Juarez. El Paso to Jacksonville. <laughs> and it, I mean, it was like they hit the lottery. I mean, Nebraska took 30,000 fans to Jacksonville to play Clemson. And they beat them in that bowl game. But if they didn't make that kick, they were probably going to the Sun Bowl. And Robin and I like made a pact like, we're going to go to Juarez. Yeah, we'd have to stick together to make sure there was no... Uh... <laughs> And I don't know, uh, you know like uh, true detective situations that go on on there. I don't know now if we'd be going to Juarez, yeah, but, probably not. <laughs> but in 08, that, that was a, a joke that we had about if Nebraska got to play in the Sun Bowl, we'd cross the border for an afternoon and venture into Juarez. But we can dream about bowl trips someday. It's been a week. One of these years. One of these years we'll be back. Abby, it was great to have you on the mailbag. Uh, make sure you listen to Abby. Um, she's now a part of the Up Close podcast. Let's as go. We Woo. are doing uh, interviews with volleyball players as well as football. And I think we're going to have some basketball later. And Robin, I'll maybe let you be a part of those. Maybe. Just maybe. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, much more to come. We'll close the show with Tom Deanhart. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Final segment here of the show, Sean Callahan as Nebraska getting ready for their 2.30 game on Saturday against Purdue. Pleased to bring in a longtime friend of the Husker Online Show, Tom Deanhard of Golden Black. Tom, uh, it's great to have you on. It'll be good to see you here in Lincoln uh, for what's kind of a very hard game to read on both ends. Yeah, Sean, I love talking to you. You know that, my, my favorite. I love coming to Lincoln. And, yeah, what a game drips with a lot of intrigue for both programs. You hate to put must-win labels on games like this, but I just call it a sense of urgency for both of these programs, Sean. Um, you know, Purdue's backslid a little bit. They had these high highs and these low lows. Coming off a tough loss at home to a very beatable Wisconsin team. Trying to get to a bowl for the first time since 2018. I know the Huskers had their issues too so and i'm sure both teams are licking their chops thinking they have a chance for victory here and and boy it certainly is needed here in west lafayette i can tell you that yeah you look at purdue and such a hard team to read um you know two games i think jump out on this schedule i mean notre dame i don't think anyone was surprised that they beat um the boilermakers but obviously that 2013 loss to the undermanned minnesota team and then last week's game against wisconsin uh, where, where uh, the Badgers had two running backs go for nearly 300 combined yards. I mean, those are, to me, kind of the outliers when you look at the way they've played this year. Yeah, you know, they uh, the defense has really been a surprise for this 2021 Purdue team, Sean. And uh, I'll be honest with you, it surprises me because in the offseason, they totally changed the staff. Every coach on that staff, that defensive staff, is new. They brought in six transfers. I just thought, boy. That's a lot of new parts to try to mesh together quickly. Can these guys, can this defense really gel and be effective? Well, Sean, by and large, it's, it's, it's been, again, the backbone of this, of this four and three team thus far. And they, they had some, they had some busts for the first time last week against Wisconsin, but that defense has played well enough pretty much week in and week out for this team to win. But the problem, Sean, has been the offense. I never thought I'd say that 
by the Jeff Rom team. But the offense, if you get a load of this, four of the last five games, Sean, Purdue scored exactly 13 points. Last week, Sean, one of their touchdowns was, was, was from the defense. They're really struggling to get on the scoreboard this year. Yeah, and you look at that schedule, and you go Iowa, Wisconsin, Nebraska, then Michigan State, and then Ohio State. And correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think there's a bye week in between any of those games um, when you when you look at how it all laid out for them playing five weeks in a row. I mean, it's saying something when Nebraska is the easy game on that five-game stretch. Yeah, Purdue had its bye going into that Iowa game a couple weeks ago. They played five games. They were off, and, of course, they shocked the Hawkeyes, number two-ranked Hawkeyes, uh, a couple weeks ago. So, yeah, this is they're done. Purdue's, Purdue's got to buckle up. <clears throat> no off weeks left. They, they played their last seven in a row. And, uh, yeah, going to Nebraska is never a treat. Um, and uh, may, maybe it's the best thing for Purdue at this point just to get on the road and refocus here. And see how they respond to some more adversity with the loss to Wisconsin in the rearview mirror. So, um, yeah, four and three. And uh, Purdue fans, you start looking at the schedule and go, Who, how can we get two more wins? They finished with Northwestern and Indiana. But, again, with Purdue, Sean, you can never take anything for granted. Every game's a dogfight. We're talking with Tom Deanhart here of Golden Black as we get ready uh, for this week. Um, Nebraska will take on Purdue I'm curious, what is the overall temperature on Jeff Brom? I mean, a lot of similarities, I think, with Scott Frost um, with the two programs, two offensive head coaches, two former college football quarterbacks, um, two fan bases I think at one time thought they had their guys, um, but it hasn't obviously been a bed of wine and roses in Lincoln. It hasn't been a bed of wine and roses in West Lafayette. Kind of what is the temperature check right now on Jeff Brom, especially after a disappointing loss to Wisconsin last week? Yeah, very similar. You're right. That's a good analogy. Frost and Brom, the expectations going in and, and what's transpired since. Brom's a year ahead of a Frost. This is year five for Jeff Brom in West Lafayette. And, um, boy, started with the bang the first two years, back-to-back bowls, and, and it's sort of been a slow drip south since then. Um, the temperature of the fans, you know, there's 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 some there's some uh, murmurs, some some general unrest for a guy who uh, they're paying the king's ransom to. That again hasn't been to a bowl now, 2019, 2020. Now this year, can they make it? Um, you know, he's he's not on the hot seat, but um, it could set up for a very interesting 2022 if they can at least get to six wins this year to get to some bullish on, they have to show tangible progress in the win loss column. So that's sort of where they're at. Purdue can't afford to write million dollar checks to buy out coaches. It's that simple. They don't have the resources Nebraska has or some of these teams in the South. So again, Brahms not in any peril of getting fired. Um, but again, like I said, there's a big sense of urgency that could set up for a very interesting 2022. If, you can't at least get this team to six wins this year. What jumps out to you, Tom, when you look at this game Saturday with Nebraska, what jumps out to you about the matchup? What worries you? What do you like about the matchup for Purdue going into Saturday? I, I just think Adrian Martinez, I know he can have his warts, but he, he can still be a handful. And uh, he's got the ball in his hands on every snap. And uh, that, that could pose problems. Like I said, that'll be a fun matchup watching him go against that Purdue defense which I think is still very good and a bit underrated. So that's going to be fun to see if Purdue can contain him. And can Purdue score enough? I'll be honest with you. Um, um, 
The offensive line for the Boilermakers, it's average at best, not overly physical. They can't run the football at all, Sean. And they've been playing multiple quarterbacks, sometimes I think to their detriment. So uh, can, can that offense get anything going against a Nebraska defense that, that, that isn't overwhelming, that maybe can get beaten? You know, we talked off, off air about David Bell versus Cam Taylor-Britt from an individual matchup standpoint right there. Two future pros matching up head-to-head. It'll be a fun one for everybody to keep their eye on. Yeah, you talk about your, you know, Purdue might have the two best players on the field on Saturday and David Bell at wide receiver and George Kalafas at defensive end. I mean, is it safe to say that both these guys will declare for the draft after this year? I mean, is it almost a slam dunk that this will be the last stretch of their careers in Golden Black? Without a doubt. Man, I think that's what adds to the urgency for Purdue. You've got two, uh, I don't know, I'll, I'll say transcendent because they, they kind of are transcendent. Two transcendent talents for this program on your roster right now. So you've got to take advantage of it, right? You've got to get to some postseason game because, again, I think these guys are gone. Most people think they're gone after this year. They're, they're true junior seasons. So, yeah, I mean, uh, enjoy them while you can if you're a Purdue fan. And if you're a Purdue coach, boy, maximize that talent. And hopefully they can get you to some type of postseason game this year. Yeah, one thing, uh, Thomas, Purdue – are they still rotating the quarterbacks and doing different things like that on offense? Yeah, you know, the last two games they played all three quarterbacks. Aiden O'Connell is the unquestioned starter. He still plays about 90% of the snaps. A mobile guy, uh, a passer, best arm on the team. And they rotate in Jack Plummer and Austin Burton to a very much a lesser degree, Sean. Now, typically when those two have come in, they've ran the football. You may know Jack Plummer as the starter. He started a lot of games at Purdue. So he's a veteran quarterback. And, but, again, by and large, Plummer and Burton, when they've come in, have just ran the football. So uh, who knows what Jeff Brom's going to do. There, there was one play last week, Sean, where all three were on the field at the same time. So you know he's trying to cook things up. But I'll be honest with you, uh, it's given the run game a little bit of a spark, and I think that's the genesis of it is to give the run game a spark. But by and large, you know, it was largely ineffective last week. And it will be interesting to see how, how, how that whole quarterback situation is handled moving forward here. And the bottom line, Tom, in this league, if you can't run it or stop the run, those two things particularly, you're, you're going to really struggle in the Big Ten. And you know what, Sean? You can't gimmick your way to success on a consistent basis either. you got to play big boy, Big Ten football, especially when you get in the red zone trying to run it. I mean, it, it obviously little wrinkles help, but it can't be the lifeblood of, of your running attack and your offense. And, and Purdue's always going to want to throw it, and they're going to probably throw it 50 times Saturday. And uh, But you still have to make Nebraska try to respect your ground game in some way, shape, or form. Now, we'll find out this week if, if Purdue gets back his number one running back, Xander Horvath. He's been out since the second game of the year with a broken left fibula. And uh, it's been, uh, well, that's six, seven weeks or so ago. He may be close to coming back. Uh, that certainly would be a help to the Purdue ground game, if, if so. And, again, we'll find out more as the week goes on about Horvath's progress. Well, Tom, I'm uh, looking forward to seeing you in Lincoln. I'm sure uh, I'll spot you in a local runza. I know that's one of your uh, go-tos when you're in town here. So I uh, appreciate the time and uh, looking forward to Saturday's game. Take care, my friend. Look forward to it. All right, well, that wraps it up for this week's Husker Online Show. Make sure you uh, find us on iTunes or Spotify, anywhere you can find podcasts to search Husker Online 
Um, you can download and like our podcast. We drop four different shows per week. And make sure you're on Husker Online as well. Full coverage of Nebraska versus Purdue on Saturday. Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. 